Lord and praise Him with us today. Yes, amen. Help us now. I want you to take your Bibles while they're getting the lights there. Take your Bibles and turn with Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. I, I, worship is really important. Worship is really important. We, you know, we try to help everybody we can. Dim the lights a little bit so you don't think people are looking at you, you know. I've heard people say, Preacher, what, when we, when we had that, that concert and the lights were dim, it, I, it was easier for me to sing because nobody could see me. And hopefully nobody could hear me. Say amen. Now, I don't know how true that was, but regardless, we want to do everything we can. But you need to know that it doesn't matter who's sitting beside you when it comes to worship. I promise you, if Tammy was on this platform, I'd kiss her right on the mouth, right in front of everybody. Amen. She might not let me, but I would. Amen. I don't care what y'all think. She's mine. Amen. I love her. I'm in love with her. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks about how I feel about her. And when it comes to worship, all you're doing is showing how much he means to you. Amen. Your affection, your love toward him, that's all worship is, all right? Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to talk about a very important topic today, very important subject. Uh, and this is a subject that everybody is going to think is for everybody else. So I need you to do me a favor this morning. Turn around and look at your neighbor and tell him, he's talking to you. So go ahead. He's talking to you, amen? Uh, now turn around and tell him, he's talking to me, Amen? Hey, hey, we're, we're, uh, we all have a problem right here. We, we all have an issue right here. We, we, we are going into a series, I guess, if you will, on the family. The next, probably the next month, we are going to be concentrating on the family and what it means and, and strengthen the family. And, and as God was putting this on my heart, I was really praying and, and talking to him about what to preach on. And he said, we got to start right here. This is one of the biggest problems in churches today. This is one of the biggest problems in the marriage home today. If we can deal with this, we can get it. Say amen. Philippians chapter number 2. Let's look in verse number 3. Verse number 3. Let nothing, how much? Nothing. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, this don't mean we're minding everybody else's business. What that means is I'm going to think about somebody else's needs before I focus and concentrate on mine. I'm going to think about others first. It says in verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And everybody say it. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for a full house. Thank you for an opportunity to come share again what you have shared with me. Now, God, I need your presence right now more than ever before. I need your anointing right now to be able to say what I need to say. 
do what I need to do and be what I need to be. God, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If if you were a first-timer this morning and you filled out one of those prayer cards, we are so glad that you did, and we want to take them up at this moment. If you finish filling that card out, just hold it up right where you are, and we'll take that up. We think we've got some right here in the middle on the back back there. Church, let's give them a hand for being with us today. Amen? All right. I, I titled I titled today's message uh, "Public Enemy Number One." Public Enemy Number One. What topic are we going to discuss today that everybody has an issue with? I believe it's the topic of selfishness. Say that with me. Selfishness. Say it with me. Say it again. Selfishness. One thing is destroying homes in America more than anything. It's selfishness. One thing is destroying ministries more than anything else in the world. It's called selfishness. I want to I give you three things today. Three things, and, and if you're taking notes, if you like to take notes, just, just start writing when we get down to the third one. But this is, just say one and two is pretty much just an introduction uh, to deal with number three, all right? Number one, I want you to look at the truth, the truth of selfishness. The second thing will be uh, uh, the tragedy with selfishness. And then the third thing we're going to discuss today and, and really hunker down there, we're going to talk about the triumph over selfishness. Why is selfishness so important? Why, why are we even discussing this? Why should we even talk about this subject? Well, first thing is that, number one, I want you to see the truth of selfishness. We were born with it. It comes natural. This is not something that we learn. This is not something that we are taught. This is not something that, that uh, we just accumulate over time. We were born with a selfish nature. And the Bible says this in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now watch what he says in verse 3 among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, or our desires, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, say that with me, we were by, by nature the children of wrath even as others. What does that mean? We, in our former day, before we came to Christ, we were naturally sinners, but what were we naturally doing? Whatever we wanted to do. We filled our desire. We filled our want. And, 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 and God calls this, this, this nature the flesh. Now the flesh has one priority, actually two priorities, uh, self-preservation and satisfaction. Y'all with me? The flesh has two priorities, self-preservation and satisfaction. In other words, it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I desire. It's all about what's good for me. It's all about what benefits me and what I want my desire. And according to that verse, the Bible says we come by it naturally. Are y'all with me? How many of you sat, sat your little toddler down, sat your little child down, and said, now this is the proper way to be stingy? Anybody ever do that? But how many of y'all know toddlers coming into this world selfish? I've got, I've got a little post. I've got a little post that says, this is the toddler property laws. Toddler property laws. This is what toddlers say. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. 
If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If it said, if I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I say I saw it first, it's mine. Am I telling the truth right here? If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. Amen. Now, I've seen little children. I've seen little children. And that, that's, their, that's their mantra, man. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Now, the only problem with that is they were 24 years old. Are y'all with me? Now, this is something toddlers do. But we try our best to train the children and discipline the children so they're not selfish, so they're not stingy, so they learn that the universe does not revolve around them. But the problem today in our world is most people don't grow out of it. And they don't understand, they don't understand that this is not something that goes away. This is something that we will fight. I tell you this, the most humble person, uh, the most selfless person you could ever think of, they still fight this issue in their life. This is not something that you can be cured of. We can't take a pill and it goes away. This is a battle that we will fight till Jesus comes. It came naturally. We inherited it from Eve. How, listen, Eve had it made in the shade. Are y'all with me? She, God gave her everything she wanted. A stress-free lifestyle. No alarm clocks. Get up anytime you blessed well please. Go to bed anytime you please. No problems whatsoever. No stress whatsoever. But she wasn't satisfied. She wanted more. Selfishness. When Satan said, you could be as a god. You could be smartest. And what does she say? I want that. And guess what? We all got that. Say amen. That's the truth. I don't like it. I know you don't like it. But the truth is, everybody in this building, no matter who you are, male or female, we all have this issue. The truth. Number two, the tragedy. Where are the problems in the homes coming from today? Where are the problems in churches coming from today? How many of y'all know every problem we find in society, we can find a solution in the Bible? Y'all realize that? Watch what the Bible says. James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not here? How many of y'all have ever argued with your spouse? Now look, now look. The only way we're going to get anywhere today is y'all to quit lying. How many of y'all have, 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 uh, discuss something with your spouse vehemently. All right? Bunch of, boy, I tell you. Let me tell, let me tell you why we do that. Where are the fightings coming from? Where are the wars coming from? Come they not hence even of your own lust, which means desires, your own lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not? Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain? You fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lust. Your cravings and, and it, I want what I want. Selfishness. Selfishness causes more fights, more arguments, more discussions than anything. 
They're destroying marriages. Isn't it amazing? We, we're dating. We're dating. Honey will drip off of our lips. It doesn't matter how long she takes to get ready. You patiently sit on the couch, say amen. You're waiting. No rush, no hurry, no issue. Listen, no problem whatsoever. Wherever she wants to eat, whatever she wants to go, whatever she wants to do. If this is the Hey, baby, it's whatever you want. Then we go to the altar. A preacher stands in front of us. We put a gold band on the finger. A chemical imbalance takes place all of a sudden. Now it's no longer about them. It's all about me. That's good stuff right there, preacher. Hunker down right there. Amen. Y'all keep forgetting I bring my own shout with me. Amen. I'm telling the truth. I sit, I sit, I sit and, 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 and listen to couples and talk to couples. And, and man, I, I think, dude, you, you, you are the center of your own universe. We've got, we've got the five love languages class this afternoon kicking off. Great, great class. Great, great class. It's all about learning who you are and how you feel fulfilled and how you can fulfill your spouse. What is their love language? In other words, uh, uh, what did they grow up with learning how to communicate love? How many of y'all know in this building right now, and this is a little off topic, but how many of y'all know in this building right now that, that you can tell somebody you love them a hundred times a day, but if they don't feel it, it doesn't count? If they don't feel it, if you're not communicating in such a way, for instance, one of the love languages, one of the love languages is is uh, 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 deeds of service. My least favorite one. Out of all of them, I hate that one. Guess which one my wife got? Deeds of service. Couldn't be touch. No. Couldn't be words of affirmation. No. It had to be deeds of service. The exact opposite of mine. She would rather me wash the dishes than bring her chocolate and roses. Say amen. I despise that. But you know what? The reason God did that and gave her a different one than mine is so I wouldn't be a selfish jerk. In order to have my needs fulfilled and have my needs met, that I am to meet hers. Mm-hmm. Y'all with me? But what happens is when we get married, we want them to do everything for us, and we think the world revolves around us, and then, listen, if we're, they're not meeting our needs and fulfilling our desires and doing all this stuff, I'm just not ha- They don't make me happy anymore. Where was that in the covenant? For better or... And some of us forget, the better usually comes after the worse. And you quit before the worst is over, before you get to the better. Don't quit. It'll get better. But we don't because we're selfish. And we find out, we find out when we leave that one and get another one, a a new broom sweeps clean. Do I need to define what I just said? In other words, they're all going to be good in the beginning. He's going to look like Prince Charming. He's going to tell you everything you want to hear. But there goes the ring and the chemical imbalance again. Amen. Selfishness. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying ministries. 
It's destroying ministry. So I, I got a definition that I found. This is great. Watch what this says about selfishness. A stable tendency to devote one's time and resources to one's own interests and welfare. Watch this right here. An unwillingness to inconvenience oneself for others. Everybody wants to be involved as long as it's convenient. As long as it's convenient. Well, if I have to go out of my way or... Amen? Now, here's the deal. Temple, Temple is, is, is a large church, and, 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 but it's run probably 98% by volunteers. The whole church is all these ministries and everything that goes on is run by volunteers. Guess what? All of those volunteers have schedules. All of those volunteers have problems. All of those volunteers, they have agendas. They have things they got to get done during the week. They've got, they've got school and they've got work and they've got all of this stuff. Nothing is convenient about ministry. It's all about sacrifice. So what do we do? We say, well, we're not going to help. We're not going to get involved. We're not going to volunteer for ministry because we have a schedule. Like everybody else don't. Well, preacher, you just don't know my, my issues Everybody has issues. And when I don't do my part, I'm putting pressure on somebody else to do their part and my part. Question is today, are you doing your part? Well, I just, if you're making excuses about why you can't get involved and why you can't serve, that's selfish. How many of y'all enjoy the worship? Oh, don't, come on, don't get mad yet. It's going to get worse. Come on now. Right, how many of y'all enjoy the singing and, and the stuff that goes on? And How many of y'all enjoy the air conditions on when you get here? You know, somebody had to get up and turn that booger on. Hello, y'all with me? Volunteer. Got out of bed early before the crack of dawn to get here to make sure you could be comfortable and have a cool service. And we have a ton of volunteers it takes to just make one service happen. So don't leave here and say, I can't get involved because I'm too busy. You're not busy enough to come enjoy somebody else's effort. Let's don't be selfish and say, hey, I'm not, I need to do my part. How many of y'all believe today that we all have our part? But when we don't, we're putting pressure on somebody else to do theirs and mine. Then selfishness destroys ministries by saying, I got to have it my way. I want it just like I want it. I want the song sung that when I got saved. I want the, I want the worship just like I want it. I want, I want y'all to do out there in the parking lot like I want. Listen, listen, it don't have to be that way. But if you force it to be that way, that's the first step to destruction. Are y'all with me? So what do we do about it? We know the truth. We know we're born with it. We know that we inherited it. We know it, it just comes natural and we've got to fight it every day. We know it's destroying marriages. We know it's destroying ministries. We know it's destroying relationships. It's destroying, listen, jobs and employment. What do we do about it? This is number three. And this is really where I want you to listen really, really good, okay? In Philippians chapter number two, and by the way, Philippians chapter, uh, the whole book of Philippians, the subject and the theme of Philippians is joy. Say it with me. Joy. Do you realize the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our what? 
And you know what? There's a lot of Christians going around getting beat up by the devil because they don't have any strength to fight him because they don't have any joy in their life. And joy is not temporary happiness. I can go to Dairy Queen and get happy for about 30 minutes. Say amen. But it's not lasting. It is only temporary. Joy comes from the Lord, and I'm telling you, the world can't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. And we need that joy back. I want to love to go to church. I want to love to serve God. I need the joy of the Lord. And the whole theme of Philippians is joy. And isn't it amazing that he touches this subject in the second chapter when he's discussing the theme of joy and talks about selfishness? Because the devil will tell you the real secret to joy is to get everybody to do stuff for you. The real secret to joy is to have whatever you want. The real secret to joy is having everybody petting you and, 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 and serving you. But you know what Jesus said when he washed the disciples' feet? He said, happy are ye if you do this. If you don't let people serve you, but you serve others. I need a witness. And the whole theme of Philippians is about joy. And now we're sitting here talking about the subject of selfishness. What does, what does Paul tell us to do? What does Paul say here in verse number 3? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. What's the, secret to, what's the secret to being unselfish? First, we see there's an assessment. There's an assessment that we perceive. There is an assessment. He said we are to consider Others better than ourselves. We are to esteem others better than ourselves. The word assess means to determine the importance or value of. Y'all with me? In other words, how we treat other people will be determined by our value of them. How we assess them. How we determine our value of them. Y'all with me? What does that mean? Some folks think they're better than other folks because they're white. Some people think they're better than other people because they're educated. Some people think they're better than other people because of their portfolio. And they walk around with their nose in the air thinking they're better than everybody else because they got a better car or a better house or a better... It don't make, it, you put your britches on just like I do. Some people think they're better than other people because they have more rules they live by than other people. Well, you wear, you wear this and I don't, or you don't wear this and I do, or you, you go here and I don't, or I go... And you think you're better than everybody else. Paul said this in Romans. He, he's talking about... He's talking about the gifts, and, and before he begins to share about the gifts that God has, has spread apart in, in, in the earth and, and put upon every single person, be careful when you're really gifted because you start thinking more of yourself than you ought to. And before he begins to describe those gifts and talk about those gifts, he gave a warning. He gave a warning here in Romans chapter number 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Are y'all with me? But soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know, you know, let me tell you how serious God is about this. 
he gifted Paul pretty incredibly, and he allowed Paul to go to the third heaven and see uh, 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 what nobody else has ever seen. And he came back. And this is what Paul says. Because the abundance of the revelations given unto me, there has been a thorn in my flesh. God has given me a thorn, lest I be, what? Exalted above measure. What is he saying? Because of his giftings and what God has done for him, he gave him something to keep him humble. Now here's the point. God doesn't like high-headed people. God doesn't like snobby people. God doesn't like prideful people who think they're better than everybody else. But I guarantee you this, selfishness will be determined by how we value other people and how you think of other people. If you always think you're better than everybody else, you're, you're always going to be selfish. Let me read you. Let me read you a little situation. <laughs> Two men went up into the temple to pray. This is Luke 18. One a Pharisee, he's a church guy. The other a publican, he's a tax collector. So you know he's a hoodlum, say amen. The Pharisee, I'm just kidding if there's tax collectors in here. Don't, don't look up my stuff or anything. The Pharisee, boy, I just thought about that. Uh, put the other one on the internet. Amen, don't put this one on the internet. The Pharisee stood and prayed. Thus would him say, is it hot in here? I don't, um, this is what he said. This is what the church guy said. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all I possess. But the publican, the sinner, standing far off, would not lift up his eyes so much as that ever, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's what Jesus said. I tell you. This man, talking about the publican, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know what that means? Here's, here's the deal. We're so, we're so good in church. We are. We, so, we, we, we got it down. I'm telling you, we got this religious uh, 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 facade. I mean, we know what to say. We know how to say it so that we look spiritual. We will never walk in here with our head high and say, I am so glad that I am not as thou art. I am so glad I'm not like that, that, that person over there who just got out of the bar, just got out of prison, or just got... I'm glad I'm not like them. I have my suit on and my shoes on and I have all this stuff. And I, we won't never say that because that will just reveal what we really are. But we'll think it. And then we'll reveal it by criticizing everybody that ain't just like us. Be careful of critical people, because criticism is contagious. And by the way, if they criticize somebody else around you, they'll criticize you around other people. And criticism is just a way of trying to make yourself look good by making somebody else look bad. Preach it, Bishop, preach it. Critical people are pitiful people. Because they think they're better than everybody else. And the reason people are selfish is because of their assessment of others. Me and Tammy, she caught me the other day. And, uh, and uh, we, we were, I, I said something to her. And she got all puffed up about it. And uh, I said, why are you getting mad? I mean, I'm a debater. I, I, I mean, I can argue with a stump. She, she's, she gets quiet and, you know. That just irritates me. I'm telling you, argue with me. Amen? Come on. But she won't. And I said, now let me ask you a question. I said, 
is what I said to you true? She said, yes. I said, then why are you mad? She said, it was the way you said it. Bless God. I hit rewind in my mind. And I thought about the way I said it because I'm trying to, okay, I want to see other people's opinions. I want, to, I want other people and, and, and put priority in their feelings. And you know what? It was very condescending the way I said it. You know why I said it that way? Because at that moment, I didn't, avow, I didn't value her opinion or her feelings like I should have. She's my wife. Now, according to that Bible, I'm supposed to value everybody's opinions and feelings and how their situation, because I'm putting, I'm putting importance in them. Now, if I'm supposed to do that with everybody, how much more should I do that with my spouse? You know why we're selfish? We won't say this and we won't admit this because we think we're better than they are. Amen. He said, let us esteem others better than ourselves. Then he says this, how are we we to do that? In lowliness of mind. So we not only see the the, the assessment. How do you assess people? How do you look at other people? Do you... (laughs) Do you look at other people on the same level as you, as on the same plane as you, as on the same level of importance as you? The lion, the king of the jungle. He's walking around the jungle. He is really feeling it. And he's wanting everybody to know just who he was. And the lion went up to the bear and said, Who am I? And the bear said, Oh, your majesty, you're the king of the jungle. The lion went, Rawr! He goes on through the jungle and comes up to the tiger. He says, who am I? He says, oh, you're the king of the jungle. Everybody knows that, your majesty. Rawr! He's going through the jungle. He gets to the elephant. He says to the elephant, he says, do you know who I am? The elephant grabs him with his trunk and says, Bam, 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 bam. And the, and the lion just stands up bloody, broken, and just swore through one eye. He said, look, man, if you don't know the answer, just say so. How many, how many of y'all would agree he had a wrong assessment of himself? How many of y'all have felt like that lion before when God got through with you? God has a way, and I'm just saying this just for your warning. If you think you're better than everybody else, God's going to make sure, especially if you're a Christian, because that means you belong to him and he's got to deal with you then, he's going to make sure you don't feel like that no more. And he'll beat you like that elephant. Amen? All right. Our assessment will determine our attitude. Lowliness of mind. How's your attitude? Because it changes by your assessment. An attitude is so important. An attitude is so important. There is little difference in people. Little difference in people. But that little difference makes a big difference. The little difference is attitude. And the big difference is whether it is humble or proud. Our attitude towards somebody will greatly change by our assessment of them. Now, we all want to believe in our heart that that's not true. We all want to think in our heart that we treat everybody the same way, but that's not true. 
That's not true. I've got folks in my life I dearly, dearly love. I mean, I, I just use an illustration. I've got, a, I've got an aunt in Florida. Uh, she'd always come get us uh, uh, during the summer, and we'd spend two or three weeks with her. And, uh, and she was a commercial fisherman in Okeechobee, and it was just great because I loved to fish, and it was just, I mean, she was, she's in heaven, going to be in heaven, in the in, in, in Ant Hall of Fame in heaven. I mean, she's just unbelievable. And when I get around her, something changes. Tone of voice changes. My attitude changes. Everything. And, 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 and if she asked something of me, honey couldn't drip off of my lips. I don't care what she asked me, it was going to get done one way or another. Are y'all with me? You know why my attitude is different with her? Because my assessment and my value of her is different. Now, am I starting to make sense now? My point is this. If we're ever going to defeat selfishness in our life, we have to start learning to value other people. Well, preacher, you don't know my husband. He's the biggest jerk in the world. Number one, you picked him. Number two, the Bible doesn't say anything about qualifications of getting valued by Christians. Let me, let me read the verse. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know who the Bible says we are to value? The only word, the only one to describe that is other. Now, I know that's hard. But let me tell you something. Judas Iscariot was the biggest weasel on the planet. He was a dirty, low-down, rotten, sorry human being. But Jesus humbled himself and washed his feet. Jesus gave the example. Now let me say this. Most of what I have to preach and tell y'all in services, it's not easy. This stuff's not easy. There's people I want to choke to death. I don't want to value their opinion. I don't care about their opinion, but I'm supposed to. And I've got to start working on that and being that. And the only way I can is through Jesus Christ. Say amen. Lastly, lastly, we see the assessment we perceive, how we see other people. The attitude that we portray, that's how we see ourselves. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Your focus isn't on you. It is on others. Your focus is on other people. You are people-centered rather than self-centered. The person that thinks he is humble isn't. The humble person doesn't even know it because he's focusing on everybody else. Thirdly, we're done. Or see. I want you to see the activity we pursue. Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The five most important words in the world. You did a good job. Say that with me. You did a good job. Say it with me. Learn to say that. The four most important words in the world are a question. What is your opinion? Say it. Say it again. Now, guys, 
I know y'all are more spiritual than I am. But that's hard for me. That one's difficult. What is your opinion? By me asking your opinion, I'm placing value on you. Y'all with me? Now, guys, here's how we need to do this. Here's how we need to do this. I'm bad about this. Here's how we need to We don't need to say, what's your opinion? And they go to say, and you say, well, let me tell you what I think about this thing. Let's don't cut them off mid-stride, amen? Boy, this is getting better and better. Y'all getting quieter and quieter, amen? The three most important words in the world, let's work together. Say that with me. Let's work together. The two most important words in the world are thank you. Say it with me. Say it again. You know, you would be amazed at what those two words could do to improve a relationship. Thank you. The single most important word in the world is we. Not me. We. Spence, I'm blown away at what this church has accomplished and what God does through this place. And this one statement defines it all. This one statement is why God does what he does in this place through the people that we have in this place. There's no rich people in this place. We, we, we don't, we don't, we're not full of, uh, you know, CEOs and that type of thing, yet we're still able to do what we do. We don't have a monstrosity of a huge paid staff. We don't. 98% run by volunteers. And this is why. The majority of people in this place have this attitude. I don't want a big part of something little. I just want a little part of something that changes everything. Nobody has to be the big chief. Nobody has to be the one to be the big kahuna. Just let us do our thing. Let us do what God has gifted us with. Let us have a part of what God's doing here. We make it happen here. Not me. Not me. And when we start thinking that way and valuing the other person, valuing their feelings, valuing their opinion, it's going to greatly change our attitude toward them. And it's really going to drain the selfish spirit out of us. Say amen. How many of y'all want to be less selfish today than we were yesterday? I do too. I do too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for... Your touch, thank you for your anointing.